This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friends. This week, I have three stories for you. Not such long stories, but three really good stories. The first one, about the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe. And the second two, in honor and memory of Rebetzin Chaya Mushka, who was the wife of the last Lubavitcher Rebbe. Since it's her yard site on the 22nd of Shvat, when I'm recording this story. Everybody, of course, knows that the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, whose name was Menachem Mendel, his mother, Devorah Leah, passed away when he was very young. Even though his father, the Alter Rebbe's son, the Mittler Rebbe, was still around, the Alter Rebbe, being the grandfather of Menachem Mendel, felt a special connection to his grandson and a special responsibility to take extra special care of him since his mother had passed away. And this bond continued through the rest of the Alter Rebbe's life until he passed away, and then even afterwards, because even after the Alter Rebbe passed away, he would regularly come to his grandson, Menachem Mendel, and help him to answer halachic questions or difficulties he had in understanding the Torah. And these visits from the world to come by the Alter Rebbe were so frequent that Rabbi Menachem Mendel was used to it happening. Whenever he needed some type of spiritual guidance, he knew that his grandfather would appear to him either in a dream or he would have a vision of him while he was awake. And one time, Rabbi Menachem Mendel had a very difficult problem, and he needed the spiritual advice of his grandfather. And in his heart, he was longing for his grandfather to appear in order to help him decide what to do. But no matter how hard he tried, the Alter Rebbe did not appear. And a few days passed, and Rabbi Menachem Mendel he waited again for his grandfather to appear to him, as he was sure that if he hadn't appeared before, he would appear now. But nothing happened. So Rebbe Menachem Mendel decided he needed to go into a deep meditation to say words of Tehillim, to daven from the deepest depths of his heart, begging Hashem to allow his grandfather to come to him in a vision to help him with his quandary. But no matter how much he davened and meditated, the Alter Rebbe did not appear to him. And so he had learned some Kabbalistic methods to connect with souls in the world to come. And even with all of that, the Alter Rebbe still did not appear to him. And a few days later, Rabbi Menachem Mendel was in shul in Lubavitch, davening very early in the morning. He had said, the prayers you say before starting shacharit, the morning davening. And he placed his talus over his head and was ready to begin davening when all of a sudden, the town butcher ran into the shul. He ran over to Rabbi Menachem Mendel. He said, Rabbi, please forgive me for disturbing you. And Rabbi Menachem Mendel said, What is it, my good friend? What can I do for you? He said, Rabbi, you know, the market is booming now. All the local farmers have brought their livestock into town to sell. And normally, I don't have a problem buying the animals that I need for slaughtering throughout the week. But many of my customers owe me money, and they haven't paid me yet. And I don't have any money to buy the animals. And if I don't buy them now, I'm not going to have any livestock to slaughter this week. And they won't have any parnasa. And the people won't have any meat to eat. So please, Rabbi, I'm sorry to disturb you. I know you're about to daven. But can you lend me the money just for one week? 
Please, so I can run to the market, buy the animals before it's too late. I promise I'll pay you back as soon as I get the money. And of course, Reb Menachem Mendel, he looked at the butcher and he said, My friend, you don't have anything to worry about. I trust you completely. I'll be happy to lend you whatever money you need. But you see, I just put on my talis and I've gone to the mikvah and I said, Bekot Shachar, and I'm about to start davening. It'll take me like two or three hours to finish. And then once I finish, I promise I'll go right home and bring the money to you. Now, on the one hand, the butcher was relieved because he would get the money. But on the other hand, he was disappointed because the market was in full swing. And who knew what kind of animals would be left in two or three hours when the great rabbi finished his davening. And so realizing that he doesn't have a choice, he says to Rabbi Menachem Mendel, Rabbi, thank you very much. And just tell me when you're done. I'll come back in two or three hours and get the money from you. Thank you, Rabbi. And Rabbi Menachem Mendel, he puts the talus over his head, opens his sitter, and is about to start davening. When all of a sudden he realizes the mistake he made. He said, how can I make the butcher wait three hours to give him the money? By the time I'm done davening, who knows what kind of animals are going to be left in the market? All of the best cows and sheep for sure will be sold. All of the best chickens as well. I might cause him to lose his livelihood for an entire week. So Rabbi Menachem Mendel, he threw his talus off and ran back home. And his family was shocked to see him appear so early and to not see any marks on his arm from wrapping tefillin. His Rebetzin says, what's going on? He said, I don't have any time. I can't talk. Quickly, where's my change purse? Where's my money? She gives it to him. He takes it, and he runs out the front door of his house. He runs as fast as he can to get to the butcher. When he arrives at the butcher's house, the butcher is shocked to see the rabbi standing there at his front door with the money in hand. The butcher says, Rabbi, what's going on? You didn't finish davening yet. And Rabbi Nachmendel said, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. Of course you need the money now. If we wait three hours, what kind of animals are going to be left in the market? And the butcher says, yes, exactly, Rabbi. But I couldn't say that to you. I didn't have the chutzpah to say that. But I'm glad you figured it out. So thank you, Rabbi. Now you can go back and daven. Everything is fine. Of course, the butcher took the money and he bought the choice animals that he was hoping to buy. And now, Reb Menachem Mendel, he went back to shul, relaxed knowing that he had helped the butcher in his time of need. Once again, he puts his talus on, he wraps his tefillin, and he's about to start davening, when all of a sudden, right in front of his face, he feels the presence of his grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, and he hears the Alter Rebbe speaking to him, and he says, my sweet grandson, I want you to know that the mitzvah that you just did of helping a fellow Jew is worth more than the highest davening you ever had. It's worth more than your davening in the Elan Yom Kippur. Here in the supernal worlds, as well as the lower worlds, the mitzvah of Avat Yisrael, of loving your fellow Jew, is so precious. What you did for that butcher shook the heavens and allowed me to come and reveal myself to you again. And as a result of his sensitivity for his fellow Jews, Rabbi Nachamendel merited to have more regular visits from his grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, from the world to come. Since it's the art site of the Holy Rebetzin, Chaya Mushka, a blessed memory, I want to share a couple of stories about her. 
Of course, there's so many of them. I'm sure I'll share more another time. Reb Chesed Halberstam worked as an assistant to Rebetzin Chaim Mushka Schneerson, the wife of the last Lubavitcher Rebbe, from the years 1970 till the Rebetzin passed away in 1988, helping her with household chores and serving as her driver. And this is a story that he shared with us. And he not only helped the Rebbe, but he also helped the Rebetzin. The Lubavitcher Rebbe asked him to make sure that the Rebetzin gets out of the house every day for some fresh air. So usually he would take her on a drive to a park somewhere in Long Island. And the Rebetzin, not having any children, so Reb Chesed's son, Ari, would come along with him. And the Rebetzin enjoyed playing with him in the park, pushing him on swings. And one day, as they got near the park, they saw that the regular route that they normally took was closed off because there was construction. And so they had to go on a different street. And as they drove along that street, they heard the sound of a woman screaming in Russian. And when Reb Chesed stopped at the next traffic light, the Rebetzin said, Can we please go back and see what that woman was screaming about? So Reb Chesed turned the car around. They drove back to the beginning of the street. And they saw a woman sitting on the curb of the street, crying, while workers were taking her furniture and everything from out of her house and putting it onto a truck that belonged to the county marshal. And the Rebetzin said to Reb Chesed, please park behind the marshal's truck. Get out of the car and find out what's going on, please. So Reb Chesed goes to the marshal and he says that this woman hasn't paid her rent in many months and she's legally being evicted from her home. She didn't pay the rent. So Reb Chesed comes back, tells the Rebetzin. The Rebetzin says, go back and ask the marshal how much money the woman owes and will he take a personal check? And please don't mention anything to the family that's being evicted. And so. Reb Chesed, he goes to the marshal and he says, how much money do they owe? And the marshal said they owe around $7,000. And Reb Chesed says, if you're given a personal check to cover the full debt, will you accept it? And he said, sure, as long as I call the bank and make sure the money is there, no problem. I'll take a personal check. And not only that, I'll have my men put everything back in the house exactly like it was. So Reb Chesed, he went back to the Rebetzin. She immediately took out her checkbook and wrote the check for the full amount of money. Gave it to Reb Chesed and said, please give this to the marshal and don't say anything to the family. The marshal gets the check. He goes to a payphone, calls the bank. Bank says the money is there. So he tells his workers, let's go, guys. Everything back in the house. The workers, they don't understand and they don't really care. So they put everything back in the house. And the Rebetzin immediately said to Reb Chesed, let's go. I don't want this woman to find out what happened. And Reb Chesed, of course, was completely shocked. When they finally reached the park, he said to the Rebetzin, I don't understand why you just gave so much money to a total stranger. And the Rebetzin says, you really want to know? He said, yeah, of course I want to know. Who would do such a thing? She said, I'll tell you. When I was a young girl, my father, and I should say her father, was the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson. Of course, the last Lubavitcher Rebbe was a relative of the family and also married the daughter of the former Rebbe. So she said, when my father once took me for a walk in the park, he sat me down on a bench. And he started to explain to me the concept of Ashkachapatit, divine providence. Your father said, every time Hashem causes us to go off of our normal way of doing things, there's a reason for it. And when this happens and we see something unusual, there's a reason we've been shown that as well. She said, today, when I saw that we couldn't drive the regular route that we went on, and I saw the detour sign, I immediately thought to myself, my father taught me when I was a young girl. Every day we drive on the street. 
And suddenly the street is closed off. We're sent to a different street. And then I hear the sound of a woman crying and screaming. And I realized Hashem had sent me on a detour and caused me to see this woman for a reason. It was clear to me that the reason that we went on this detour was in order for me to help that woman in distress. So I have one last story for you, another one of the Rebbitson. There was a family of relatives of the Lubavitcher Rebbe who lived in Borough Park near Brooklyn. And whenever they had a question for the Rebbe, they would ask his wife, Rebbitson Chayamushka. And then she would ask the Rebbe and then relate the Rebbe's answer back to the family. One day the Rebbitson receives a call from the family and she's told that the mother of the family was very sick. And after many tests in the hospital, the doctors decided that she would need surgery. And the family wasn't sure what to do. So they were calling to ask the Rebbe for advice and a blessing that everything should go smoothly. The Rebbitson takes the message and hangs up the phone. When the Rebbe came home, she tells the Rebbe about the mother, the surgery, the blessing. And the Rebbe responded they should not have the operation. So the Rebbitson calls the family and she says, the Rebbe says not to do the surgery. But a few days later, they call again. They said the doctor said because they refused the operation, the mother's situation got much worse. And her life is in danger. And they wanted to know, can you please ask the Rebbe again? Should she have the surgery or not? And the Rebbitson said, in Lubavitch, you don't ask the Rebbe again. And since I consider myself, this is the Rebbitson speaking, she says, since I consider myself a chassid of the Rebbe, and I do as the chassidim do, I don't ask again. But the family was not very happy about this. And they were very upset. They didn't know what to do. They took the advice of the Rebbe, but maybe the Rebbe was wrong. I mean, the doctors are saying that the mother might die because she's not having the surgery. So they said to the Rebbitson, what are we supposed to do? So she says, if when the Rebbe comes home, he asks me if I've heard anything from the family, then I would repeat to him what you said to me, but I won't ask again. And so the Rebbe came home for dinner, and the two of them are eating dinner, and he says to the Rebbitson, have you heard anything from the family? And she told the Rebbe what the family had said, and she said, I'm not asking you again. I'm just telling you that this is what the family said. And the Rebbe had a very serious look on his face, and he paused for a few seconds. And he said to his wife, the Rebbitson, I repeat, they should not operate. After dinner, the Rebbitson calls the family. And she said the Rebbe was very clear and very serious. He said they should not operate. But a few days later, the family called again. And they said the doctors told them that the mother's condition had deteriorated so much that she could die any minute. And the family had to sign that they took full responsibility and absolved the doctors of any responsibility because they refused the surgery. And the Rebbitson said, But I don't understand. The Rebbe said two times not to operate. And when the Rebbe came home, the Rebbitson told him what was going on, that the mother's life was in danger and that they had to sign the documents and they're very worried. And the Rebbe says, I don't understand. Why aren't they using medication instead of surgery? So immediately the Rebbitson calls the family. They call the doctors. And the doctors laugh at them. They said, What, a rabbi knows more about medicine than us? We're the experts here. We're the doctors. What does your rabbi know? We're telling you the only thing that can save her life is surgery. For sure, medication's not going to do anything. But the family had finally total belief in the Rebbe. They went from department to department trying to find a doctor that would understand them. And finally, they found a doctor who said, you know what? I think I know which medication the Rebbe has in mind. And since I'm a doctor and I can go wherever I want, 
I'll bring the medication to your mother. I'll give her an injection. And let's see what happens. A few days later, the doctor said that the mother's condition had stabilized. And she wasn't getting any worse. And they didn't understand what happened. So the family told the secret doctor, seems to be working. So he came and gave the mother another injection. And two days later, the doctors that had been treating her said, she's definitely improved. We don't understand what's going on here. And every day or two, the doctor would come and give her the injection again and again until eventually she was out of danger and released from the hospital. And the family kept telling the Rebbitson what was going on. And when the Rebbitson told the Rebbe that the mother had returned home, the Rebbe said, when they asked me about doing an operation, I saw that if they did it, she wouldn't survive the operation and wouldn't make it off the operating table. And that's why I said they should not operate. And when they asked again, I figured the doctors would see that the family didn't want the operation, and so they would try medication. And when I saw that they weren't thinking about medication at all, I specifically said, use medication. And the Rebbitson told this to the family, and she said, you see now how important it is that you listen to whatever we say, even if all the experts say the opposite. When the Rebbe says, don't do the operation, don't do the operation. You know, there's a similar story of the Rebbe Rayatz. Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, of course, was the father of Rebbe Chaim Mushka. And once there was a couple that came and asked if their son should travel on a boat, on a ship, yes or no, and the Rebbe said no. Parents came back and they told their son, the Rebbe says you shouldn't travel on the ship. But the son said, what does the Rebbe know about ships? I've got a trip plan and I'm going on my trip. And a few days later, the ship sank. And after the week of mourning, the broken-hearted family came to the Rebbe. The father said, if the Rebbe would have explained why my son shouldn't go on the ship, I'm sure my son would have listened. The Rebbe Rayat said, believe me, I don't know every time when I say something why I'm saying it. I just see in heaven that this is the answer. and Whatever I see is what I say. Whether you follow it or not is up to you. So we should all be blessed, my sweetest friends, to follow the advice of the Rebbe's and to trust in the Rebbe's. We say every day in davening in the song by the sea, V'yaminu b'ashem Moshe avdo, that the Jewish people believe in Hashem and Moshe, his loyal servant, were given the tzaddikim and tzadkaniyot in order to help us. We have to choose to believe in what they're telling us. And sometimes it's a lot harder to believe in the words of a Rebbe than it is in the words of Hashem. Because even though a Rebbe is a great spiritual person, He's still flesh and blood, like the rest of us. But that's why it takes real humility to be a chassid. Because when the Rebbe tells you something, you don't ask twice.
Thank you so much for listening. As always, my sweetest friends, I always enjoy telling these stories so much. And thank you to all the sweet people that write to me, the comments that are left on YouTube, and the messages on Facebook and the emails. Thank you all. I really appreciate it. Make sure you go to my website, HasidicStory.com, and click on All Episodes, and you'll see all of the Rebbe's and different holidays sorted by subject. Maybe there's some episodes you've missed. Make sure to go back and listen to them. And keep on sharing the podcast, my friends. More and more people are subscribing, and it's all thanks to you. So thank you for listening, and I look forward to our next story next week. Chaim, my sweetest friends. Chaim. Lechaim!